Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member with training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. We thank you once again for a wonderful opportunity like this, Lord. Father, when we come in your presence, Father, we see it as a great opportunity and a great privilege. Heavenly Father, it's because our eyes have been enlightened. That is why we have made a choice even to come here today. Therefore, Lord, we are grateful and thankful that you have selected us amongst men to gather us together to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fill me, fill me, O Lord, with your spirit. Let me not speak of my own wisdom, but I pray, Lord, that the word that shall proceed out of my mouth shall be the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. Oh, Spirit of God, you know my weaknesses, you know my infirmities, you know my inadequacies. I avail myself just as a vessel that you can have your way amongst us. I thank you. We are thankful for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. of the Lord. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Well, um, I, um, there was a series of messages that we were sharing and we put out on pause and we took this particular message to share just for a short time and God willing that today or next week we can conclude that and then we can pick up on our message again. So we are sharing about seared conscience. Seared conscience. And um, I think it's a very important message. You know, I think it's, um, it is something that we ought to be awakened to. And we ought to be conscious of. Hallelujah. Otherwise, we can easily be taken by surprise. Amen. Otherwise, we as Christians can easily be taken by surprise. You see, I was just saying that um, earlier that... Um, you know, as a Christian, when you come in the presence of the Lord, you should not live the same. Yes. Your life should not be the same as you came. You see, now our lives seem not to change or seem not to be transformed. And sometimes it's because of our seared conscience. It's because of our seared conscience. Hallelujah. We began by sharing that God has given us this inner Man or inner voice, hallelujah, which is called conscience, amen. It is called conscience, 
Hallelujah. It is that voice, it is that voice that is given to every human being. It is given to every man and every woman. Amen. It is that spirit of God that ministers to us. That preaches to us even without a preacher. It is that voice that teaches us to do good. To stay away from evil. It is that voice. And it's in every man. It is in every woman. Amen. The Greek word, the Greek word for conscience is suneidesis. Suneidesis. S-U-N-E-I. S-U. S like Samuel. U-N-E-I-D-E-S-I-S. Suneidesis. And it means to possess core knowledge of something resulting in a sense of guiltiness before God. Conscience. Sunadesis. It means to possess core knowledge of something resulting in a sense of guiltiness before God. Sunadesis. Amen. Amen. And Every person has this conscience. Every person has this thing in him or in her. And it is that which ministers to you. You see, no one, no one enjoys the feeling of guilt over wrongdoing. No one enjoys it. No human being enjoys that feeling of guilt over wrongdoing. When you have done something wrong, that feeling of guilt is a very strong feeling. It is a very strong feeling. It is that sometimes which it comes on a person and forces the person to go and sometimes report themselves to the cops or sometimes go and confess and make certain confessions. Do you see? It is that strong feeling that is in us. And it's in every person. And you see, the only alternative to that, the alternative to that, to not let that bother you, the alternative to not let that conscience trouble you, that feeling of guilt, when you have done something wrong, the alternative to that is not to have feelings. Do you see? That's the alternative. When you have no feelings. Then you can do certain things, you can do wrong things, and they don't bother you. You can do anything and it doesn't bother you. That is the alternative to conscience. And that is what we call seared conscience. Seared conscience. And this seared conscience, it comes about when you have sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned. Or you have done a particular thing over and over and over again. Then your conscience concerning that area becomes seared. Amen. Amen. You see, when you see a leper, when you see or you see someone who is crippled, for instance, or someone who is a leper or a cripple, you know they walk, for instance, you see a cripple who is walking on his knees. Do you see? See the reason why the sole of your foot and the, or, or your palm, 
The reason why it's so strong that you can you see when you are when you want to feel if something is very hard. When you want to feel if something is very hard, you don't go with your skin. The back, you don't you don't touch it. You know, if something you you how many of you do that? I don't know. I I will not do that. You know? But you try to touch it with your palm. You see, because your palm can endure certain hardness, certain difficulties, certain challenges. You see? So you go like that and you touch it. And it burns, but it doesn't burn as much as if you were to touch it on your skin or your face. You try to feel something with your face. <laughs> In fact, if the thing is hard enough, it will burn your face more than it will burn your palm. Because your palm can endure certain heat. Your palm can endure certain discomfort. And that is what sin does to our soul. God has given to us this inner man to our soul that ministers to us and it ministers to us and to tell us this is wrong, this is good, this is wrong, this is good. And if you sin, if you continue to sin, you continue to sin, then it becomes seared such that your skin, the back of your skin here becomes like your palm. Do you see? That is why the one who is crippled and is walking on his knees, after they have walked on their knees for a while, you see that the knee is hardened and the knee has turned to look like somebody's palm. It is overuse, using it constantly and subjecting it to this roughness, subjecting it to the rough grounds and rough planes. After a while, it becomes used to it. After a while, it becomes used to the rough ground. It becomes used to the roughness as your so- the sole of your feet is. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? If you find someone that works very hard, someone who is, uh, does a lot of um, manual work, you realize that that person <laughs> has very, <laughs> very strong, very strong, it is endurance. Do you see? It is endurance. You endure. Amen. You endure hardness. Hallelujah. You endure hardness. Amen. So if you want if you want that hardness to go away, you have to constantly apply certain expensive things to sort of break and what it does is it breaks down the layer that is building up to get used to the hardness. You see, it keeps building and then you keep slashing it and slashing it off, slashing it off. If you want to maintain <laughs> Hallelujah. And so that is what sin does. You see, when you begin to do something wrong, when you begin to do something wrong, you know, you say for instance, you know, you are a young woman and then you begin to sleep with a young man, you sleep with another man, you do it first time, you are a Christian. Or even if you are not a Christian, you see this is in every man or every woman. If you are not even if you are not a Christian, you do it the first time, you feel mm, this is bad. Do you see? You feel that this is this thing is bad. And you feel guilty and it troubles you. And you will not you will not want to do it again. You see? 
But if you don't have some losing, if you don't put apply the losing to wear off the excess that is just building up. You see, initially you say, oh, this thing is bad. But you don't apply certain rich lotion to slough off the skin or the, the layer that has just built. And you apply the force again. You do it again. You sleep with the person again. Then you say, oh, it's, it's bad. You see, the first time you say, this is very bad. But the second time, you say, this thing we are doing is bad, though. <laughs> True or not true? You see, this thing we are doing, in fact, is bad. You see, it is bad. But the first time you felt it's a struggle, it's a struggle. You couldn't even sleep. And the second time you say, This thing, this thing is bad. We have to stop. This thing is bad. Oh, James. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you, you, you don't apply. You see, red circle on your arm. You don't apply the lotion. Then it gets harder. So then you do it again. And then you say, oh, I think it's not too bad. <laughs> you see? Then you say, oh, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. And then you begin to find reasons. Oh, even I can hardly be pastor, so I'm not doing anything. You see, then you try to. You try, oh, even I heard that even this my shepherd is also, you know. You see, and then you say, oh, the thing everyone is doing, so it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Do you see? And you still don't apply the lotion. You see, I'm telling you something. I'm teaching you something. And this lotion that I'm talking about is the word of God. So you don't apply this expensive rich cream to slough off the layer that has just been built. And then you go ahead and do it again. And then after you've done it and done it and done it, you see, then you move from very bad to bad to not so bad to it's okay to it's good. It's normal. Now it is normal. And so you realize that you find people living in that sin, living in that situation, and it's completely normal. It's normal, and they see something wrong with you if you are not doing it. They see that something must be very wrong with you. Uh, do you mean to tell me that at this your age you are a virgin? How old are you? Are you a, you are still a virgin? I don't know why some people are looking away. Hallelujah. So they, they, they find something totally wrong with you because they have come to a state where if you are not doing this, then the opposite is even not normal. The opposite is bad. It's an embarrassing. Young woman, it's embarrassing to say, your age, you say you have never done this before. You see, because now the conscience is seared. Hallelujah. It is seared conscience. Amen. It is that conscience that makes one stay with a man that he's not married to. And you feel it is normal. You, you, you are not married to the man, but you feel it's your husband. 
and you, our children and our family and we are building a family in fact we are looking to move into this place we are planning to do this everything you are, you, there's nothing even coming of your way to even show you that this thing is wrong you have come to that state where it has totally become normal amen, amen. that is a seared conscience it is opposite of a man with a clear conscience. You see, when, when your conscience is not seared, when your conscience is not seared, for a man, it is that which makes you feel like a married man. You know, you feel that sleeping with another woman is such a monstrous crime, such terrible crime against the Holy God. Do you see? That you feel, you, 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 you can't even conceive it. Your mind cannot come around it. That it's possible for a married man like myself to sleep with another woman. Do you see? That is when your conscience is clear. And it's not seared. But to the other whose conscience is seared, it is totally normal. It is totally normal, not just with another, another one woman, but several other women. And... And he's caught and what is wrong? You know, it's normal. It's normal. Nothing wrong with it. It is a seared conscience. Do you know some people like that? Not you, but you know some people like that. Yeah. Amen. Titus chapter 1. Verse 15. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. It is seared conscience. It says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. It says, In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. To them, there is nothing pure. It says, to the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, even letting that thing come in your mind, you feel like you have sinned. Do you see? To the pure, even your eyes seeing something, it calls for asking for forgiveness. You say, oh, this is my eyes. Do you see? But to the unpure, your eyes tire. Your eyes drop to want to see more. Your eyes is struggling to see. You are looking to see. I want more. Amen. If they are showing you a picture of maybe a naked woman and they are just showing from the head, it's coming down and there's APS. Oh. You are smiling. <laughs> You see, but you see, it is to the unpure. To them, what happened there is that you are angry. You are angry that they have done something wrong. You are watching a movie. Maybe you are seeing a movie and there's a scene that is coming. And, and then you are prepared for the scene. <laughs> you are really eager <laughs> to see the scene. And you can't, oh, you are expecting. And then they... They make you, you know, they cut that place off. They say, oh, this one, 
Beautiful. They spoiled it for you. But to the pillow, to the pillow, even as it is coming, you are praying that that, that, that does not be a part. And then you are, why should they put this part in the movie? It doesn't make it. What, what, what would, what would the, um, the, the meaning of the movie lose if they are removing? And these things are going on in your mind. That is to the pure. Hallelujah. That is to the pure. But to the unpure. So seared conscience is it is a result of sin upon sin upon sin upon sin. And then that sin becomes so normal to you. So normal to you. Amen. You see when when someone who who does not smoke, if you don't smoke cigarette, for instance, and you happen to come around smoky area when people are smoking, you begin to cough. It begins to irritate you. It begins to bother you. Even the smell, even if you are walking, even in a wide street, you are walking behind someone who is smoking, you want to cross the street to go to that or bypass that person so you'll be in front of the person. Because it starts bothering you. But when you, you see, when you begin to smoke, when you begin to smoke, you see, initially you, you find yourself coughing, 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 and then you are smoking, coughing, and you are smoking. And then, with time, you realize that the coughing is going down. It's going down. It's going down. And then with time, you realize that you can be in a room where there are a lot of smokers, because they have places like that. Smokers. And the whole place is so smoky. And you are in there, and you are very comfortable. Nothing is bothering you. It is so normal an environment for you. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That is seared conscience. That is when your conscience is seared. And until that thing is cleansed, it will become normal and normal and normal to you. And you can continue in that lifestyle and nothing will bother you. You will not see anything wrong with it. You can see black it is, it is white, but you will continue to see black and nothing can convince you to tell you that this is white. And all you're seeing is black. Hallelujah. It is a state where when you get to, the Holy Spirit has no effect on you. The Holy Spirit has no effect on your life. The word of God has no effect on you. And that is why I'm saying that when you come in the presence of God, have is a clear conscience that the word of God can affect you, that you cannot live the same way. If you have clear conscience, you cannot live the presence of God the same as you came. It is because of our seared conscience. That is why our lives are the same. We come in and we live and we are still the same. That habit is still there. That behavior is still there. You lie equally as you came in and just as you are leaving. You lie easily. You can, there are some people, they, they default. When they are talking to you, the default, default is lies. So everything they say, they have to, even when they don't have to lie, they have to tell a lie. That is when your seared conscience, your, your conscience is seared concerning truth. There are some people, you see, when your conscience is clear, when you have clean conscience, you do something wrong to someone, 
Maybe you got angry and you said something to somebody. And you go and you feel that guilt. You feel that guilt and it troubles you so much and it keeps... It is your conscience that is talking to you. And it comes on you and comes on you and it makes you even go to the person or call the person and apologize to the person and say you are sorry. And until you do that, you realize that your conscience will not stop. It is the spirit in you, that Holy Spirit that is in you. That inner voice that continues to minister to you. Whereas there are some other people also, they can insult. They can really insult you and they, they will leave you and have the, as they are going, they wish they, they realize they didn't tell you this thing. And it hurts them. It is really hurting them that they left something out that they didn't tell you. And they are looking for another opportunity, another opportunity to bring yourself and as they are going, they're rehearsing it. They're rehearsing. Next time they meet you, how they are going to give it to you. You see. But sometimes, you see, as you are driving, somebody crosses you. And then it makes you get, do something or get someone. And then your guilt, you see, you feel. Even sometimes, have you not realized that, you know, somebody passes you in a wrong way. You are driving and then, and then you get angry with a person. And then the person comes by you and they say, I'm sorry. And then you, you feel guilty already. <laughs> You feel guilty. So that is in every man. That is in every man. Hallelujah. It is when our conscience is sealed that we no longer respond to the voice of God. That is when we no longer respond to that inner voice. That is when it has no effect on our lives anymore. Amen. So today I want us to look at some examples of people whose conscience spoke to them. Some examples of people whose conscience spoke to them. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We just look at these examples. And verse... We can read from verse 1. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus, and said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. You see, this is Herod. He had killed John the Baptist. He had beheaded John the Baptist and given to his wife's daughter as a present. He says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus, and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. You see, no one had said anything to him. This is a man who had committed certain sin. And it has just passed. He was a king. He could choose to do anything he wanted. John the Baptist was just some, someone just who they thought was insane in the desert. And saying all sorts of weird things and strange doctrines and he called him and they just killed him and it was over but his conscience was still ministering to him so when he heard of Jesus the Bible says at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and he, he said unto his servants this is John the Baptist he is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now do you think 
if you knew if this was the case you would have killed john the baptist if you knew that he's a man that can potentially rise up from the dead would you have killed him you would have seen him as some great power isn't that so but he killed him and now after he had killed him he said my friends it sounds very scary to him and so when he heard of jesus no one has spoken to him about even jesus and his relation with john the baptist no one has said anything he said when he heard of jesus the fame of jesus this is the conclusion he came to this is what he came to his mind this is the understanding that he came with and told the servants and said this is john the baptist he is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him for herod had laid hold on john and bound him you see this is a man whose conscience was not seared his conscience had the ability to continue to minister to him Beloved, let your conscience be cleared. It will minister to you. It will make you do the right thing. He says that for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet look someone who does not have someone whose conscience is seared they don't fear the multitude they will feel and they don't care about what the government will do to them they will kill and they don't care the consequences someone with seared conscience he doesn't care if you consider him a prophet or not but he said he, he says for when he says and when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being instructed of her mother, said, Give me here the John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. I tell you, his conscience was still not seared. The Bible says the king was sorry. The king was sorry. Nevertheless, say it with fervent, nevertheless. You see, sometimes our conscience is so clear, but because of the people around us sometimes because of showing up sometimes because of pleasing other people we suppress our conscience we suppress the inner man we suppress the inner voice that is ministering good from evil the bible says that john he says that he felt sorry nevertheless for the old sake and them which sat with him at meat he commanded it to be given her because of the people who were around he commanded it to be given her and he sent and beheaded john in the prison amen you see sometimes our conscience ministers to us your wife has done something wrong to you and your conscience ministers to you and it says forgive those who trespass against you forgive those who trespass against you and that is what your conscience that is what you really want to do 
But then people around you will say, do you know how a woman could treat him like that? How can a woman, this is a man or what? How can a man allow himself to be treated like that by a woman? And then you also want to show that you are a man. And completely suppress what your conscience is doing and telling you. And you go home and you are charged. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Another person or another people, group of people, Genesis chapter 3. You know, before we do that, let us read this particular person first about King Darius. Um, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 11. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 11. You see, so this is when King Darius, you know, um, had chosen Daniel and Daniel has become such an important person in his government that he has given him charge over even the, um, the governors who were in charge of the various states. Daniel was on, in charge of them. And so a lot of jealousy rose up amongst the other governors or other other officials and the bible says and these men who were filled with jealousy verse 11 genesis chapter um, daniel chapter 6 verse 11 says then these men assembled and found daniel okay let's go back a little bit so that you understand what i am reading about okay verse 6 it says then these presidents and princes Assembled together to the king and said, Thus unto King, unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princesses, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king. He shall be cast into the den of lions. You see, because they wanted to find something wrong with Daniel. And the Bible says that whenever they look at Daniel's work performance, whatever he was doing was so perfect. So they couldn't find anything wrong with him. And they came to the conclusion that if we are going to get Daniel, we have to go through his God. We have to go through his relationship with his God. So they came to the king with this advice that he should make a law that anyone, just for 30 days, just for 30 days, that anyone who will pray to any other God save that king, that person will be guilty of this law and should be cast into the lion's den. So verse 8 says, Now, O king, establish the decree. That means sign the law and sign the writing that it may not change according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. You see, people like that. They like, if you are putting them up high, they like it. Do you see? Now, whenever men are pushing you up high and it's not God pushing you up high it is always to make it cause a disaster in your life yes the Bible says that promotion does not come from the 
east it does not come from the west neither does promotion come from the south promotion it only comes from god amen Amen. Amen. verse 10 he says now when daniel knew that the writing was signed he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came nigh and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Has thou not signed a decree? that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days save of thee O king shall be cast into the lion's den they wanted to remind him first and the king answered and said the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which altereth not I have signed something like that then answered they and said before the king that Daniel which is the children of the captivity of Judah regarded not your law O king nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. Do you see a person with clear conscience? He says that when he heard these words, he was sore displeased with himself. Now somebody who has a clear conscience, if he was to hear this, no matter who you are, now a person with a clear conscience has no regard for anyone. So no matter who you are, if this person would have heard it, he says, bring that person here right now. But the Bible says this person, he was so displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So he probably was going through the archives looking at all the laws that has been written. If perchance there is any clause where you can change the law of the Medians and the Persians when it has signed like that. So he says he toyed. He was labored all day till dawn to find a way to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. You can't change it. Then the king commanded, it's like that, I will get you, king. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. He says, your God, you see, the king signed the decree that no God should be prayed to, no God should be served. But he said, with his conscience ministering to him, he said, your God, whom you serve continuously, he will deliver you. He said it with all assurance. Beloved, I tell you, the Holy Spirit is in every person. If you have the will and allow the will of God to be done, he will minister to you. And you will have the ability to prophesy if you have clear conscience. Because the Spirit will speak to you. The inner man is in you. God made us and he's gave us his spirit. It is sin upon sin that sears that spirit. That wears away the spirit from us. Amen. So he says, he says he will deliver thee. 
And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord that the papers might not be changed concerning Daniel. That means once they put you in that state, no one with the king's signet, that means no one can open it again. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep all night. He, he's the king that they play music for him to sleep. That night he didn't want anyone to play music because his conscience, his conscience was ministering to him and he was filled with guilt. It is that which gives you that guiltiness, that cold knowledge that gives you that guiltiness before God. And when he came, he says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. It's like a king with a lamentable voice crying. Now why did the king come back to the den? I mean, how many times, I don't think there has been any time in their history that anybody has been put in the lion's den and has stayed alive. But the king came back to the den, crying lamentably unto Daniel and said, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Oh Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God had sent his angel and had shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And I see you believing in your God also. And no manner of hurt shall be found upon you. Let your conscience be clear and believe in your God. And no manner of hurt, no matter how men shall devise snares against you, no matter how men shall rise up against you, no matter what challenges may come your way, no manner of hurt will come upon you. Beloved, they put him in the lion's den. They will put you, you may go through trouble, you may go through waters, you may go through fire, but he says he will be with you. Amen. 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 Let your conscience be clear. So he says, and no manner, no manner of hurt was found on him. He says, and the lions had the mastery of them. Oh, forgive me. The next verse, what were we, verse 24. He says, and the king commanded, and they brought those men which had, which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Then their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and broke all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Sometimes certain sins, it brings a lot of things upon you, your wife, your family, your children, your grandchildren, and everyone else that is around you. And this is what the king. And the king Darius wrote unto all people and nations and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, 
men tremble and fear before God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Hallelujah. He says he delivered and rescued and he worked signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. That is a person whose conscience was not seared. Amen. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Wonderful. Let me share some few with you. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 16. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16. He says, verse 16, Hebrews chapter 12. He says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Mercy. When you sell your birthright, you are. He says, Lest there be any fornicator or as profane person as Esau. Wow. Beloved, when you, when, you, when you belittle your ministry, when you belittle your ministry, the description is less of a fornicator and a profane person. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. That is how you are compared to. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how, for ye know how that afterwards, when he, he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. Though he sought it carefully with tears. He says, this is a person whose conscience, after he has sold his birthright, now began to minister to him. After he belittled his ministry, after he traded off his ministry for his job, after he traded off his singing ministry in the church for his job, for his children, for the children's sake, I can't sing to the Lord anymore. He said that he sought it, he sought it with tears, carefully, with tears. He repented and sought it with tears, but he found no place of repentance. Hallelujah. Beloved, some of us, we have, God has given us great ministries, but we have traded it with other things. And your conscience does not minister to you at all. Your conscience does not minister to you. Your conscience does not minister to you that you say, we have come this far. You say, but I have to go and do my laundry. Preach. We have come this far and you are, you say, I have to go to the Chinese store to buy food. And you are walking from the Chinese store with your high heels and coming and no, your conscience is not ministering and the choir rehearsal is happening. Something as important as rehearsing to sing to the mighty God and you are coming with your Chinese food and no guilt and then you come and sit in the back and eat and then you come here and walk in and we can't still even instruct you because you are full 
You see, and your conscience does not minister to you. So there are some of us, our conscience do not minister to us at all when we don't come to church. Nothing is nothing wrong. It's, it's normal. It's, it's normal. Nothing is wrong. We belittle these ministries that God has given us. Hallelujah. Another one. First Kings. First Kings chapter 21. Are you blessed by these things that I'm sharing with you? First Kings chapter 21. And verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me that vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seems good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. So you see, the king had a palace, and this poor guy, he had a land near the king's palace, a vineyard. And the king wanted to possess that vineyard. Now, I mean, in those days, you, if you are a king, you can't just take and say, move, and then I'll take it. So you have to negotiate with the person. So King Ahab went to Naboth and said, let me have this vineyard, and I have two alternatives. I can give you its money worth, or I will find another vineyard somewhere else, and then you can have it. And Naboth, verse 3, and Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. And Ahab came into his house, heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father. You see, that is an implication. Is that what Naboth said? He said, the Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. Is it a reasonable thing? Something that has gone from generation to generation, a land that has passed from generation to generation unto him. He cannot just let it go like that. So he says, may the Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. But he said, he was displeased because Naboth said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. You know, the kings of those days, they were very childlike. You know, what kind of stupidity is that? You want a lamb, they won't give you the lamb, so you will not eat. You turn or you go to your bedroom, turn your face to the wall, and you will not eat. But Jezebel, but Jezebel, his sickness wife, came to him and said unto him, Thou art so spiritually sad that thou eatest no bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm reading this from the NIV. Jezebel, verse 5. It says, His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sorry? Or why are you so sad? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard. 
Or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in this place. But he said, I will give you, I will not give you my vineyard. You see, that's not what he said. He said, and he said, I will not give you my vineyard. But this um, Naboth did not say that. Naboth said that the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So he said, Naboth said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel his wife, verse 7, Jezebel his wife said, Isn't the Lord who acts as a king over Israel? The Ammonites? <laughs> I tell you, may the Lord deliver you from a fair-haired wife. May you not God be married. Listen, men of the church, seven men, lift up your hand and let me pronounce over you. May you never be married to a Jezebelic woman. May not a Jezebelic woman come into your life. Wow. He says, isn't the Lord who acts as a king over Israel? The Ammonites said, ah, I will get to the vineyard but never the Jerusalem. That you negotiate with people, that you see his, the, the, the king's conscience was speaking to him. Yeah. Ahab's conscience was not seated. He went to negotiate with him, but this woman had no conscience. Same with Adam. He said, Is that the vineyard you want? Is that why you are not eating? Is that why you are, you are walking like that? Is that why my house is going to be miserable? Is that why my marriage is going to be this and that? The Ammonites said, Jezebel, please, I will get you the vineyard. Ah, is that why you see a whole king, a king of Israel, is coming to give you? You don't need to pray, you don't need to give him another vineyard. I will deal with the issue for you. Just sit down and eat. So listen to this. She wrote letters in Ahab's name. Place his seal. Ahab seal it on them. And sent them to the elders and nobles. Who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters she wrote. Prepare a day of fasting. And seat Naboth in a prominent place. Among the people. But seat two scoundrels. Opposite him. And have them bring charges. That he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Let me tell you, when your conscience is seared, beloved, you see, we are looking at an unbeliever whose conscience is seared. But I'm telling you that a Christian, your conscience can be seared such that the word of God has no effect on you. The word of God has no effect on your life. Amen. You are doing something seriously wrong and the word of God has no effect on you. You come and then the preaching comes and you are counter-preaching against the preaching. He says, stone him to death. So they also did. The elders, then they, they brought Naboth and the two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people saying, Naboth has cursed both, king and, both God and the king. So they took him outside of the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel. Naboth has been stoned to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard. 
What a shock! <laughs> the word of God is powerful, eh? I tell you. Like that, like that. Give him your hand. And he will give you some gifts. He will call you some gifts. Isn't that so? <laughs> like what? Mercy. <laughs> he will give you some gifts. Give him your hand. Idiots. <laughs> Give him a new possession of the things that have not been justified that he received so much to be healed. Listen, he said, Give him a new possession of the things that have been refused to sell to you. He doesn't even want to sell it to you. He's more of our life. But dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth had was dead, he got up mercy on him and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. I don't know what would have happened to him if he didn't go. If he had allowed his conscience to say no, you can't do that. You, you can't do that. I don't like <laughs> So he said, so I'll give you a son. <laughs> he was so upset that how God would take the land and be happy and come back and have your dinner. <laughs> what a shock <laughs> Amen Now when Ahab heard it Naboth was dead He got up and went down to take possession of the Naboth vineyard Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite Now do you remember Elijah was running away from Ahab And Jezebel they were, he was running away because they were looking to kill him. But the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. He said, Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not needed a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, Dogs will lick up your blood also. Yes, your blood. Ahab, Ahab said to Elijah. So when Elijah came, right away, when Elijah came to Ahab, he said, so you are following me, my enemy. <laughs> so you see, he is the one that was running away from him. So I'm trying to show you that his conscience was so grateful to him. His conscience was clear for someone who was running away. He has come back and then he says, So you have found me, my enemy. That means that he knew in himself that what he has done was wrong. Beloved, let your conscience minister to you. Let the inner man speak to you. Let the inner man speak to you clearly. And you would understand. Hallelujah. Amen. Another quick one. Let's read another one. Judas. Judas Iscariot. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3. He says, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, who does not know the story of Judas? Let me. Everyone knows about Judas. When Judas, Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. 
Judas Iscariot, to be precise. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. He was seized with remorse. He was seized with remorse. When he heard, when Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, when he saw that they had condemned him, the Bible says he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. You see, Judas' conscience was still not seared. His conscience was not seared. The Bible says he was seized with remorse. And he said, For I have betrayed an innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Now, this is not a person whose conscience was seared. This was not a person whose conscience was seared. This was a person who felt guilt. This was a person whose conscience was ministering strongly to him. Beloved, is that which ministers strong? It is that which can tell you boldly that you are wrong. Amen. Your conscience is the one who can tell you when you have fought with your wife, you have fought with your wife and you felt so strongly about it and you are sitting quietly. And your conscience is the one who can come and tell you strongly that, brother, you are wrong. Or sister, you are wrong. Amen. He said that he threw the money in the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. I believe if Judas had not gone that far to hang himself, he would have fully repented. Hallelujah. He would have fully repented. He was very sad. So you see, the people around everyone, they were cheering, but there was someone amongst them, even though he was not counted among the disciples, he was counted among people who were killing Jesus, betraying him, condemning him. But there was someone amongst them whose conscience was ministering to him. There was one person whose conscience was ministering to him. Sometimes you go to a funeral and you find a lot of people and you find people who are there crying for all sorts of reasons. There will be someone who is crying because of his conscience ministering to you and saying it's because of how you treated this woman. That's why she died. It is because of the mystery that you put this woman through. That's what, and so, you see, sometimes you go to a funeral, you see people crying. They have different reasons for crying. They have different reasons for crying. Some people are crying because they are sad that you are not going to be here with us anymore. But some people are crying because of their guilt. It's because of their guilt. Amen. Some people too, they are, they are crying is for joy. It's tears of joy. It's tears of joy. They are happy that you are gone. Some people too, they are happy that they are going to receive property. Some people are happy that they are going to marry the man. For me, he's all mine. Oh, you don't think that is possible? Oh. Okay. One more, and then we'll bring the service to a close. One more, one more. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 4. John chapter 8 and verse 4. John chapter 8 and verse 4. 
This is the woman, the story about the adulterous woman. How many of you remember her? Okay, let's read quickly. Jesus went, verse 1, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. That means this woman was caught red-handed in the very act. They said this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, I don't know how many men or how many women do things publicly. But it looks like these people, they were looking. They, they went to look for. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's like they were sneaking to find something. Because how can you find two people in the very act? It's like unless they saw her going to the man's house and they were following her. And so as soon as they... <laughs> they just opened the door. <laughs> they were caught. <laughs> you see, so they took her. <laughs> they took her and they just brought her before Jesus. They said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Do you see? Jesus didn't preach to them. He just, when they came and accused the woman before Jesus, he just bent down and he was writing with his finger in the, in the ground. He was just writing. So then he says, so when they continue asking him, they continue probing and say, what do you think we should do to this woman? What do you think we should do to this woman? So when they continue asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. He says, the one who is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone unto her. Now, people who have no conscience, people whose conscience are sealed, they will quickly throw stones. Because you see, when you come to a state like that, the only one who can remind you of your sin, the only one who can bring certain guilt to you, is your criminal conscience. So Jesus said, anyone who is without sin, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I tell you, whenever we preach, the preaching does 10% of the message that affects your life. But your conscience, when it is clear, it does the rest of it. 90% of the message that really affects you, it is coming from your conscience. So Jesus just preached 10 minutes. 10%. He said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. And then he stopped preaching and then he started writing again. And when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. Being convicted by their own conscience. Went out one by one. Beginning at the elders. Even unto the least 
and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Hallelujah. So Paul is saying, I said, he said, when Jesus said, lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, why have you done all these things? Had no man condemned thee? She said, no, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. Jesus just said, anyone who comes to me, he will be the first to cast stone at her. And beginning from the eldest to the youngest. I don't know why the kids were also coming. <laughs> Two. Beginning with the youngest to the, the, the oldest, the eldest to the youngest. They all began to wonder. This one remembered. Ah, this woman. Oh. And then he began to walk away. And then the other one, hey, I remember when I was washing those breasts. I was, and then he began, then he also began to walk away. And the other one came and he said, oh, although she was holding his hand, he removed her. Oh, help you. Before I got married, yes, last year, last year, just last year, the other one also remembered, he even embraced her and said, you are not making me so happy. And then they began, and the Bible says, one by one by one by one, they began to walk away. Let your conscience minister to you. Our time is up. We cannot continue to share more. Let your conscience minister to you. Stand onto your feet and let us bring the service to a close. One by one by one by one. One by one. One by one. Our seared conscience. Our seared conscience. It is that which the word of God has no effect. Beloved, ask that your conscience be cleared. That your conscience be cleared. That the word of God will have effect on your conscience. That the spirit of God can affect your conscience. That the spirit can minister to you. That the Holy Spirit can affect your conscience. Oh, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord that your conscience not be seared. He said, it's like hot iron. It is like hotting Isaac's conscience. It is like a callous heart. The word of God has no effect upon that heart. My beloved, he said that it is that which impels us to do the right thing. It is that which impels you to do the right thing. Sometimes if your conscience ministers to you, it causes you to forgive another person. It causes you to easily forgive another person. Come and Father, help us. My help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Let our conscience be clear. Come and be
Let the Lord have a way with Satan. For tonight, oh God, we sanctify you and let us come. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus came and lived with you. That we have access to us. Help us to believe in you, God. Show to us, Lord. Let the assembly of heaven see you. And they can tell us, oh God, that you are Jesus. We are grateful and we come to you this evening. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight you want to give your life to Jesus, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus? Anyone here like that? Anyone here like that? Your conscience is ministering to you and says you need to give your life to Jesus. If that is you, lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone like that? Lord Jesus, we are grateful and thankful for the gift of salvation. We ask, O God, that you help us to continue to walk with you. Our conscience being alive and ministering to us day by day. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.